Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, the coming day of judgment. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judea and Jerusalem will be present to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. The reading, as the reading, the word of God for the people of God. Well, we have just come off the Thanksgiving week hustle and bustle that ended with Black Friday, or began with Black Friday, depending on our perspective. Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, I need to back up, Redskin Victory Sunday. <laughs> Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. It's all pretty good traditions around here now. The Black Friday is fun and become a cultural event, although the Black Friday sales were, were down, uh, maybe losing some momentum because of all the other ways to get deals nowadays. Small Business Saturday is a great effort to remember that small business owners need our support. Cyber Monday is a way to be less productive at our day jobs. <laughs> and Giving Tuesday, of course, it was a, a great invention by nonprofits to, to draw focus to their missions and visions of making the world a better place. <laughs> So none of that is evil in, in itself. But someone <coughs> in my circles, I can't remember who it was, drew attention to, isn't that about how we do life in this consumer culture? We buy, 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 and then what's left over, we give. So we bought on Friday, we bought on Saturday, we bought more things that we don't know or we didn't know we needed on Monday. And then whatever's left over, we give to the local fire department or to the Boy Scouts 
or to the church mission or, or whatever, you fill in the blank. Isn't that the way the world works today? Amen? All of us, all of us, not, not pointing at Jim today, not picking on Jim. Uh, and not just for financial giving, but our time as well. You lay out your week and then if you have Thursday morning left over, you'll give that to, again, fill in the blanks for the people that need your human resources. Um, you'll fill in your week and maybe you'll give your time to your kids or to your grandkids or whatever family member might need you if you have time left. Oh, it's a problem when that seeps into our faith journeys. It's an issue in our families and culture in general. Uh, but when we're supposed to be people that call ourselves Christians, to follow Christ, what separates us from all the other religions and, and ways of life is ours is based on sacrifice. But if we're giving of ourselves or of our resources what's left over, there's nothing about that that's a sacrifice. Amen? Nothing about that is a sacrifice. If we wait for the last day of the long holiday weekend to give, when we bought all the big screen TVs and at the uh, pet store over in Westminster for Black Friday, people were lined up all the way out the door down the sidewalk to buy kitty litter. <laughs> by the crate, they said. By the, uh, or pallet. By the pallet. I don't know what kind of deal. Were you over there, Carol? <laughs> all right. I didn't want to be pointing fingers. <laughs> so it's not just about even Christmas gifts for people, but buying stuff like kitty litter. I don't know where I was going. I got lost in the kitty litter. <laughs> but when it comes into our faith, when we fill out our date books, when we fill out our checkbooks, when we fill out whatever, our, uh, and, and so we read Scripture. We read Scripture if we have time at the end of the day, oh, we'll read a passage. Or if we remember when we're out to eat, maybe we'll say thanks for the dinner that we're about to receive. Or maybe if our work slows down just a little bit, we'll volunteer and, and help do something for the church mission or for the church. Or maybe if... Um, I've been volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club, and that's been going great, but then I get a promotion at work, the first thing I give up is volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club. I see that a lot. see that a lot. When your life is turned in a good way, and some things start coming down your pipe, the first thing that has to go is, and we don't make that connection that maybe... There's a connection there between giving of yourselves and things turning out right for you. Amen? And we all, and this is not, it's the whole point of this prophet here in a minute that we're going to get to, is the whole point is, this is not about pointing at other people. This is not like all of us in the church pointing to Jim and say, Jim, we've been telling you, 
Give of yourself first. Now, this is all of us. This is the way of life for most of us. If not every day, at least seasons of our lives, we behave this way. We do. And it's a problem, especially when it's directly related to our faith. The prophet, and we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want Melissa to call me out on the way I'm spending my time or the money that she lets me have. <laughs> I want her to talk about other people. I want her to talk about Stacy. Like, can you believe Stacy wouldn't do this or that because she's too busy? I don't want her pointing the finger at me. We all feel that way. We don't want to hear it. The prophet Malachi here is working for the people of God. He's working for God. And he's working with the people of God uh, when they have returned from exile. And so the people of Israel went through a terrible time when uh, the Babylonians destroyed their way of life. Wiped them off the map. Carried them off the exile uh, to Babylonia or whatever. Babylon. Whatever it is. To a bad place. Iraq, that's where it is, really. So then, though, as time goes on, they turned back to God. They got themselves in that mess because they had turned away from God and trusted other people and were giving the leftovers to God. They get carried off. Things turn and change, they come back. And by Tuesday of that week, they start feeling really good about themselves and they turn away from God again. And so things are going in a poor way. And now the very people, the Persians, who helped path, pave the way for them to come back are now a threat to them. And so the people of God, Israel, um, they start complaining. And where is God? Does God exist? Why won't God destroy our enemies? Won't this Messiah come to put our enemies in their place? And so along comes someone like Malachi... And Malachi has some words for the people. He says, yeah, Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. But first, let me say a few things. If we back up to verse 17 in chapter 2, and I encourage you to read this whole book for, for homework. It's just a few chapters long. But I love this verse. Malachi says directly to the people, and they don't want to hear this. You have made the Lord tired with your words. So Malachi is talking to the people of God. You have made the Lord tired. You have made the Lord tired. If we back up more verses in the beginning of the chapter, we find out what was making the Lord tired. What was making the Lord tired was they were giving the leftovers. They were giving the blind sheep. They were giving the goats that were suffering from other ailments, blemishes. They were giving blemished Animals that were no good to them for their sacrifices. They were saying how much they cared about each other, but they weren't taking care of each other. And the Lord had grown tired. Man, that's a strong statement. You have made the Lord tired. Does anybody in here want to make the Lord tired? No, we don't. But we do. We do. They ask, how have we made him tired? He says, when you say anyone doing evil is good in the Lord's eyes, or he delights in those doing evil, or where is the God of justice? Because he was saying, you're saying you're questioning God, but it's really your fault. 
You're in this mess because of your own doing. But you're blaming it on God and God's tired of it. So yeah, God's going to send a Messiah. God's going to send a Savior. But guess what? All of you are going to be under his judgment too. And part of the process is you need to be refined. You need to take responsibility. You need to repent. Because if you don't, you're not going to be on the good side of the Messiah when he comes. It's basically layman's terms for what Malachi is trying to say. And they don't like it. They want to kill Malachi. They hate him for it. Malachi is saying, you need a wake-up call. You're making God tired, but you're the one that needs to wake up. And see, the people, all they wanted from the Messiah was someone that was going to come in retributive form. Yeah, the revenge. They wanted their enemies revenged. I think I just made up a word. Otherwise, I just stuttered to make it sound cool. But they wanted revenge. Malachi says, no, that's not how it works. I'm coming, and your enemies are going to be put in their place, but, you, but I'm coming as a restorative Messiah. I'm coming to restore things to the way they were supposed to be and the way they were in the beginning. And that's going to be partly a process. And it's going to start with you. It's going to start with restoring each and every one of you to the point where eventually you need to reflect the image of God. You need to reflect the image of God. He uses that refiner's language very carefully about refining silver and gold and how the fire is used. And, and fire is used in refining. Uh, it burns off all the bad parts and it molds and, and perfects the good part. But everything is subjected to the fire. So Malachi says everybody's going to be subjected to the fire. Enemies and insiders, priests and laymen together. Everybody together. The bad parts are going to burn off. The good parts are going to be refined. But there's going to be heat nonetheless. And so he uses that. And he says the ultimate goal is, and, he, and, and so what his audience would have known, and what he knew, that uh, refiners, you know, if you're refining silver, you know the silver is ready when the refiner can see their image in the silver. You follow that? So you know it's ready. So they're using the fire to, whatever it's called, refine it. And they look in and they can see their image. All right, this piece of silver is ready. And so it's a great metaphor for us. Is that as we repent, as we turn back to God, as we give more and more of ourselves on the front end, as we sacrifice more of who we think we are, to become more and more like Christ, we reflect the image of God. We reflect Christ to others and to the world. We know we're making steps in the right direction. And, and God sends his messengers to do that for us. We have this whole scripture, this whole Bible. We have Jesus, who is the, the, the picture of God that we need to see and we need to emulate and we need to be convicted from in order that we can be refined. So, above all else, this prophet Malachi is calling us to repent, to turn back, to be prepared. And so, this is an opportunity for us to pause 
which we don't like to do. We don't like to slow down. We say we want the calendar to slow down, but we don't want to slow down. We want the calendar to slow down so we can get more done, right? All right? But what this is, this season, these few weeks that we have left, three weeks, 19 days, 19 days until we celebrate the baby Jesus, we need to slow down and not rush, not rush to that baby Jesus in the manger store. Because we'll miss an opportunity, a season to prepare, to be prepared, to be refined, to remember to repent and turn back to God. We'll miss the whole point if we don't slow down. And again, we don't want to hear that. It's offensive to us. It's offensive to Charlotte for me to be saying to her, Charlotte, number one, slow down. Number two, give more of yourself. Give more of your resources. Number three, do it on the front end, not the back end. If she told that to me, I'd tell her, you know, I, yeah, I wouldn't tell her anything. I'd probably want to, right? Alright, because it is. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. The people of God didn't like it either. But it's the truth. We spend a lot of time as Christians talking about truth. This is a truth. This is a faith of sacrifice. We need to be reminded of it every once in a while. We need to be reminded of it every once in a while. There was a, I'm sure you saw it if you, um, it was actually on the news. I'm going to close with, with some of, of the reading. It was all over the internet. There's a, a Wesleyan University, so in our tradition, Oklahoma Wesleyan University where the president, Dr. Everett Piper, was giving a morning chapel service. And so he had students and faculty and, and I'm sure guests as well in the chapel service. And then after the service, a student came up to him and said that he was offended by Dr. Piper's sermon. And so I'll read some of this. His response, Dr. Piper's response is, this is not a daycare center. It's a university. Yay? Right. All right. So wait till you hear some of this. And also, remember, you know, we're going to be very hard on this student and students of the day. But remember, we're all human and we all feel this way at some point in time. And we need to do it less and less. But here's the real kicker. This past week, I'm speaking as Dr. Piper. I actually had a student come forward. He complained because he felt victimized by a sermon of all things. I mean, this is not a controversial chapter of the Bible. On 1 Corinthians 13, anybody been to a wedding lately? It's just about love. That's it. This is not controversial, moral discussions that we have today. This is about love. So it appears that this young scholar felt offended because of a homily on love made him feel bad for not showing more love to others. In his mind, the speaker was wrong for making him and his fears feel uncomfortable. Why, why? I'm not making these He says, I'm not making this up. Our culture has actually taught our kids to be this self-absorbed or narcissistic. Anytime their feelings are hurt, they are victims. Anyone who dares challenge them and thus makes them feel bad about themselves is a hater, a bigot, or an oppressor, a victimizer. And so he says, I have a message for this young man and all others who care to listen. 
That feeling of discomfort you have after listening to a sermon is called conscience. And an altar call, whether it's literally calling you to the altar or just calling you to repent, is supposed to make you feel bad. It's supposed to make you feel guilty. The goal of many of a good sermon is to get you to confess your sins, not coddle you in your selfishness. The primary objective of the church and the Christian faith is your confessions, not your self-actualization. And then he goes on to give him some advice. And I, I won't read the rest of it because you get the point. And he goes on and gets some great advice. You can find it online or I can print it out for you. Again, I like Dr. Piper says it's the whole point. This is a confessional religion. We confess that we all sin. We like to say that, but then we don't like to actually be called out for our sin. And so, just a reminder, I won't beat a dead horse that I want to make you feel bad. <laughs> this day, in the coming day, let's all take an opportunity. A, repent of our sin. Whatever type of sin that has a grip over our lives, and you can fill in the blank. I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, so I won't name it. We all deal with things that don't reflect the image of Christ. Whatever, you look at that mirror and you're not reflecting Christ, start there, in that area of your life, in my life. Use this as an opportunity, a call to repentance, to be prepared for when we do celebrate the baby Jesus on December the 24th here in our beautiful church, that it means even more to us this year because we're better prepared to listen to the good news of the Savior as we bring a little bit of ourselves to this story as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. So with that, we're going to... Have a prayer of confession, which is pretty than your bulletin. Again, remember, it's very important for us to do this together, but also remember the prophet's words. It was the people's words that were making God tired. And so if we just say these words, but we don't allow them to work in us, and to have some real change, and they're just empty words that are making the Lord tired. Uh, but with that, saints, let us trust in God's love for us and confess our sin, confident in God's mercy. Let us say these words together in the prayer of confession. <coughs> Refining God, you have sent us prophets, and we have not listened. We have not always determined what is best or made way for your reign in our lives our church, and our society. Forgive us, we pray, and renew your covenant within us. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, I am confident of this. If we repent, God is sure to forgive us. The one who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Grateful for the promise of joy and peace. Let us share that peace with one another.